back in uh, uh, in December, it's a couple weeks, maybe three weeks before Christmas, we went to the mall, and uh, it was later in the evening, it was about 8 o'clock, I think, when we got there, or not the mall, excuse me, to the shops at the North Village, and it's about, about 8 o'clock when we got there, and Rita needed to run into uh, to Old Navy for a while, so so I parked the car, let her run in, she was going to just run in for a few minutes, <laughs> yeah, and uh, uh Okay, pre-surge, she's had lots of stuff to do uh, to get done. No difference. But anyway, she headed in. And so I turned the car off and listened to the radio, kind of leaned my seat back and relaxed a little bit. And I I waited and I waited and I waited. And it seemed like it must have been an hour. Now, I know I'm exaggerating. Probably only like 55 minutes. Um, uh, And she hadn't come out. And it started to get a little bit cold in the car. So I thought, I'm going to start it up and... Warm it up, and I turned the key, and nothing but a click, 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 click. Well, I kind of forgot when you don't turn the key off, you just stop the motor with the radio on, the lights stay on, and the battery was weak anyway, and the the car was dead. So I thought, no big deal. I'm sitting. It's Christmas time, but there was no car. There's only one car parked anywhere near us, and there really wasn't that much traffic for being uh, that close to uh uh, that close to Christmas, but I thought it's no big deal. Someone will come along and they'll give me a jump. Finally, a lady came out and she belonged to the one car that was Clark po- parked closest to us, but she was a young lady and she had a small child and I thought, I don't want to jump out of my car and said, hey lady, give me, you know, so I thought, you know, there'll be someone else. Uh, so what I did is I, I popped the hood, I got in the back because I, I am prepared, I got my jumper cables out, I popped the hood, hooked up the jumper cables, and I stood in front of my car holding other two ends of the jumper cable. I'm kidding you not. I'm standing there holding. Someone's going to see me and and know. I, I said there wasn't a lot of traffic, traffic, but a few cars went by, and I thought they'll see me. And as they go by, I'd kind of shake my and kept going. One of the security guys that you know that drives around and does nothing. Uh, I thought, well, he'll stop. That's his job. But he just kept on going. And that's when I saw it. I saw this Sienna Toyota Sienna van. It is the ugliest van. It's it's maroon over, over what do you call it? Kind of a beige. Still, it is the ugliest car. But it's owned by a couple that went to church at Central, and they were coming down the aisle right in front of me. And so I I stood there uh, with with my cables. And as they drove, I swear uh, that Cinda, that's the late the white name. I swear that she turned and looked at me, and I kind of waved one of them at her, and she waved at me, and I thought, okay. And they turned and went the other way. I was like, really? Uh, I guess she didn't know what jumper cables were, so I don't know. But but I, I, I kept saying that, and then Rita comes out. And then I have to say, well, I left the radio on. And and uh, I said, someone's going to come along. He said, well, I'm walking to Sam's, because she had to go to Sam's. Now, that's a pretty good little walk from Old Navy to Sam's in, in the wintertime. But, so she headed, uh, she headed to... Uh, to say, uh, plus she was embarrassed. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Cars kept going by, and finally, uh, finally a guy pulled up, and and he pulled up square to me, so I knew what he had shown showed up for. And he stepped out of the car. I asked the obvious question: Are, are you willing to give me a jump? Uh, and and the words that he answered me with gave me great hope. He said, "I'm I'm willing. I I will give you a jump now." We're going to look this morning in Mark chapter 1. If you, want, if you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and open that, the, the last few verses of Mark. Uh, and we're going to look at a guy there. 
Now, the, the reality is my despair that, that I was feeling that night didn't even compare to his. Uh, I knew some that, that eventually someone was going to stop and help. And, in fact, if no one had, I was going to give it about ten more minutes, and then I was going to call my friend Rick. Uh, he only lives a mile, just, just off uh, County Line Road, a mile from there, and, and ask him to come give me a jump. And if he, if he wasn't home, I was going to call my friend Kelly, who lived about three miles from there, and I thought he could come give me a jump. And if all else failed, I could reach into my wallet and take out my AAA card uh, and call the 1-800 number, and I would, I would get a jump. So, so I wasn't that worried. I knew that help was coming, but the guy we're going to look at the, today didn't. I, I felt isolated, but it was only for a moment, not, but not for him. For him, it was every second of every minute of every hour of every day. I was holding on to hope because, because I had hope. I, I knew, I knew I was going to get a jump eventually. He was, he was at the end of the rope, uh, literally had no hope. I knew that later I was going to laugh about this. I, I knew that later when, when I went and picked Reed up from Sam's, she was going to come out and she was probably going to give me a little hug and a little peck on the cheek. Well, I could always hope anyway. And, uh, and even if I didn't have it done and she came walking back from Sam's, there still was going to be interaction and physical touch because she probably would have slugged me in the arm like, what, you dummy, why haven't you got it started yet? But, but not him. For him, there was no laughter, there were no smiles, there was no storytelling, there was no physical touch. Um, here, at, at the end of Mark chapter 1, we're going we're gonna to see a story that's impactful. It's in fact impactful because it tells us and shows us the heart of Jesus. Shows us exactly who Jesus was. And it also affords us hope that no matter who we are or what we've done or where we've been, what we've experienced, what life, uh, what we've done in life, no, no matter what happened, that we have hope to be offered. If you have your Bibles, look with me in Mark chapter 1, uh, the, the last few verses, verses 40 to, uh, to the end of the chapter 41. A man with leprosy came to him, speaking of Jesus, and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your clean cleansing and as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to freely talk in spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter the town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. We're, we're going to look at this passage, uh, at least initially here, somewhat through the eyes of this leper. And, and here's the first thing that we see, that, that he had to ask. We have to, to ask. If, if you want healing, if you want cleansing, he realized that it wasn't going to happen unless he asked. Now, leprosy in, in Bible times was, it actually covered a host of different things. Basically, it was a, a skin disease. Lots of different things were considered leprosy at the time. Uh, you would go to a priest, and actually the priest is the one that would, would declare that you had leprosy. And then later on, if you somehow it cleared up, you'd have to go back to the priest. Jesus referenced that at the end of that, that passage. But in its worst form, depending on what type they had, it would spread and the leprosy would literally, literally eat the skin and the flesh and the muscle and in some extreme cases, literally even the bones so that fingers and toes and, and hands would literally fall off. Luke, when he gives the account of this, uh, of this story, 
says that the guy was covered with leprosy. So, so the guy just didn't have a skin rash. It wasn't like, man, I've got this, I've got this eczema and I can't get rid of it. He was covered with leprosy. He was in the worst of shape. It, Leviticus chapter 13 tells us a little bit about what leprosy does and, and what has to happen. If you have leprosy, you go to the priest and he declares you unclean. And, and once you're declared unclean, you're required to live outside of the city. So you can't hang around with anyone. You have to live outside the camp. You, you have to cover your face. And then as you walk around, when you're, when you're around other people, you have to yell, unclean, unclean. You have to identify the fact that if you touch me, you will be unclean because I'm unclean. William Barclay, the, the commentary writer says this, contact with a leper uh, defiled the person who he had contact with. It says the law enumerated 61 different contacts which brought defilement, and the defilement which the contact with the leper brought was second only to defilement caused by contact with a dead body. He goes on to say, if a leper so much as put his head inside a house, everything in the house became unclean, even the beams of the house. Uh, a leper was required to, to, to be no closer than four cubits away from another person, which was about six feet. If the wind were blowing, he had to give a, a, a burden, a, a space of a hundred cubits or 150 feet. So, some rabbis were known to not even eat an egg if it was bought on a street that a leopard had passed on, or, or, or were known to throw rocks at lepers, and others were known to, whenever they saw a leopard, they would hide, or they literally would turn and run. Now, now I want you to try just for a second here to wrap your mind around what it must have been like to be this guy. The simplest things were, the simplest things were forbidden. So if I had leprosy, you, you literally couldn't come in contact with anyone else. Now, we don't know this guy's story. I'm sure it, it varied from one guy to another, but but in some cases, depending on how pious the leper might have been or his family, he couldn't even be around his family. So, so if he were married, he couldn't even go up and, and, and touch his wife. Couldn't even put a hand on his shoulder. Um, couldn't even embrace a friend. Couldn't pick up a child. That's what his world was like. And, and, and not so much just that. Is this required? If you were around, he had to yell, unclean, unclean. So, so even if he had covered himself up, uh, maybe it was on his arms and hands and he put a long robe on or stuck them in, in so no one can see it, law required for him to identify himself. Look at me, I'm a leper. I'm unclean. I'm unclean. Can you imagine what life would have been like? I, I thought of this, uh, this week when Working on the sermon Tuesday night, I went to the basketball game uh, over at, at Troy, and uh, I was sitting in in the stands. And you know, as I think about, it, I was sitting kind of by myself. You know, you guys were close to me, but you you kept a little distance from me. But I was sitting kind of by myself, and 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 during the JV game, um, uh, Brody Winder stepped out of the stands and he tapped me on the shoulder, and I turned to see who it was, and. You know, he said hi, and we shook hands, and wished him well and for the game. And had I been a leper, Brody would have come nowhere near me. In fact, probably had I walked in the gym at Troy and I was a leper, of course, I'd been required to yell, unclean, unclean, people would have turned and 
ran. Mothers would have grabbed their children and screamed, ran to the other side. I would, if I, whatever section I sat in, I would have had that to myself. In fact, after the end, they probably would have roped it off. This section is unclean. No one can sit in here. We're going to have to have a priest come and uh, declare it clean again. That was this guy's life until Jesus. Now, I don't know how he heard about Jesus. Maybe, uh, maybe he heard people talking. If you go back and read Mark chapter 1 between where we talked last week and Jesus started his ministry uh, and where we are today at the end of the chapter, uh, Jesus had healed several, uh, cast demons out of several people. He had healed the mother-in-law of, of Peter. And it also says in verse 34 that he healed, healed various, uh, various diseases of many different kinds. So he, so he had done a bunch of stuff. So maybe he had, maybe he had heard about it. Maybe this guy was kind of on the outside, uh, just the edge of the crowd watching. And so he had seen some of this happen. It did say Jesus healed various diseases. So maybe Jesus had healed another leper. And so maybe a, a leper friend of this guy's, because lepers can hang out with one another, maybe a friend that had leprosy had, had hollered at him from a distance, hey, you need to go see Jesus. Look what he did to me. I, my hand used to be gone and it's been restored. I don't know how he, uh, how he knew about Jesus, but, uh, but he came to the right person. See, we, we have to ask. He had to ask. It started out with that question, you know, Jesus, can you heal me? But, um, but, but it has to be the right person. If your car breaks down, you go see a mechanic. If your dog's sick, you go to the vet. If you have a toothache, you go see the dentist. If you run the fever, you go see the doctor. If your computer isn't working right, I guess you go see Steve uh, or Pick. I'm sure people call you all. Uh, but if you have leprosy, you go see Jesus. If you're a leper, you go see Jesus. In, in, in Jesus' day, leprosy was seen as a sign of sin. That's what people thought. So, so when you yelled unclean, it wasn't just, hey, I need to stay from, away from him because I don't want to be filed. They also looked in judgment at the person because that's why they were sick. At least that, well, that was their thinking. They, they have leprosy because they have some, uh, some type of sin in their life. And the only way you could get rid of it, there was no medication. The only way if God chose to heal you. So, so as this guy went about his life yelling unclean, unclean, he knew that with every contact, people were judging him and looking at him. Now, now, don't, don't, please, don't be offended by what I'm going to say to you next. Please, please don't take this to heart and, and, and get mad at me. But as I look out at the church today, you know what I see? I see lepers. Unless you think I'm being very judgmental. When I looked in the mirror this morning, and I tend not to look in the mirror much. Uh, no real reason to. Uh, but when I do look in the mirror, you know what I see? I see a, a leper. Uh, the, the reality is sin does separate us from God. We are afflicted. We are afflicted with a, a, a terminal disease of sin. And the only one who can make us whole again, the only one who can take care of that is Jesus. A- Acts chapter 4 verse 12, Peter says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Just like this leper, we we have to we have to ask the right person. We have to go to the right person. See, we go through life, and oftentimes we're dragging along with us all the stuff and all the garbage that we've had. We we, we drag along our past failures, on our, our painful heartaches, our unfulfilled dreams, our our momentous uh, mistakes, our troublesome regrets, 
and, and there's times we go through life and it's almost as if we're, we're screaming out. We don't do it literally, but, but our spirit is screaming out, unclean, unclean, I'm not worthy. We're looking for someone, something, or some way to provide solace for our souls. Some way to deal with the pain, with the garbage, with the mistakes, and with just the filth of life. Oftentimes we, we go the wrong direction. Um, we, might, we might choose it through, the, through a bottle, or we might choose it through an illicit drug. We, we might try to numb the pain through, a, through an image on a computer screen. We might might go that route, but we find out it usually just creates more heartache. Or we might reach out to other people, thinking, "Well, well, if I, I pour myself into other people in relationships like that, that's what'll that's what'll do it." But we only find disappointment there. Or we reach out, thinking, "Well, if I have money, if I have possessions, if I if I have all the gadgets, and if I do all the things that give me pleasure," and then we find out that satisfaction only lasts for a short time. But if we ask the right person. If we ask the right person, there's healing. And, and we have to ask it in the right position. Notice what it says there. A man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees. Now, he was taking a great risk when he fell at the feet of Jesus. Uh, he was taking a risk. He was, he was falling at the feet of a rabbi, breaking the law, by the way, and getting that close to him. And, and by speaking to him, he was breaking the law. Breaking the law, speaking to a rabbi. Jesus could have responded in a number of ways. Jesus could have condemned him. As he fell at Jesus' feet, Jesus could have stepped back like, what are you doing? Don't you realize you're going to defile me? Get away from me, you filthy sinner. Stay away from me. I've got work to do. He could have responded that way. Jesus could have ignored him. Jesus could have simply sidestepped him and kept on his way like, I didn't see that. Let's just keep talking about love and good news and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and Jesus could have just ignored him. He was taking a great risk when he fell at the feet of Jesus. But he fell at Jesus' feet, and this is what he said. He said to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. It was a statement of faith and a cry for help all wrapped in one. He says, you can make me clean. Now, now notice, it's a subtle thing, but notice what he asked for. He didn't say, you can heal me. Now, making him clean would have included that healing. But he didn't ask for healing. He said, Jesus, you can make me clean. You can make me so that, that I can touch my family again. Jesus, you can make me so that when I walk in public, no one will look at me and, and children won't run away from me. You can make me clean so that I can again go to the temple and I can offer sacrifices. Jesus, you can make me clean so that it's like I have no sin. It, you can make me clean so that when God sees me, He sees me without sin in my, my life. Jesus, you can cleanse me. It was deeper. It was, it was foundational. And when we go to Christ and we say, cleanse me, Lord, take away, take away my sin. Lord, take away my failures. Take away my past. Take away the pain. Take away the guilt. We're really saying, Lord, cleanse me. Make me whole again. And he came with the right perspective. He knew that Jesus had the power. That, that's why he said, you can cleanse me. You're the one that can make me whole again, Jesus. But the real question he was asking there, the real thought that came out, is really the question that we have. 
It's really the thought that comes to our mind. What he was asking Jesus was, do you have enough grace? He knew he had the power. Jesus, you can cleanse me. But notice what he said, if you are willing. If you are willing. Jesus, do you have enough grace to look at me, this filthy, sinning leper, and make me clean again? That's really what he said. And, 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 and don't we approach God that way sometimes? I mean, we come in and we sing our songs and, and, and we greet one another and we smile, but, 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 but there's a lot of hearts that sit in this building and our hearts are really saying the same thing. Jesus, you can cleanse me, but are you willing? We're really asking, do you have enough grace for me? See, we have to ask the right person in the right position and with that right perspective. Let's see what happens. The text says, after he asks that of Jesus, that it says Jesus had compassion. We, we have to understand, first of all, who Jesus was. We have to understand his compassion. He had compassion on the guy. Jesus' response was compassion. When the guy fell and began to speak to Jesus, I imagine the crowd gasp. I can almost imagine Peter and James and John, Andrew, some of them running up like, get away from him. But, but before they could really say much, Jesus had already been moved by compassion. We see later in the text that he reached down, touched him, and said, be clean. But he said he had Compassion. Uh, uh, the idea of compassion and mercy uh, in, in Aramaic, which probably is what Jesus would have been speaking, that would have been his, his natural language, has, has the idea of getting under the skin of someone. Not, not in a negative way, not in, I get under my wife's skin all the time, I pester her and bug her. The other, the other day, I, I had a pair of socks and it was in the morning. I'm a little bit of a morning person, she's not. Anyone else like that? Why? I don't know. I won't go there because she might. Get... Carol, all I was doing was hitting her in the head with my socks. I mean, it's just kind of fun little game. <laughs> no, she pinched me. She pinches me right under the arm. That's what she does. Um, that's not what it's talking about when it says get under the skin. I do that to my wife all the time. What it means is getting under skin so that you know who they are. Uh, Bill, Bill uh, uh, Boonite uh, tells this story. He was speaking at a conference in North Carolina. And uh, as the session was going, he noticed on the, the front row, I'm going to make sure you know, no, one, no one's yet doing that. So, somewhere on the front row, there was a guy that was kept falling asleep during his sermon. Why'd you look at your dad? <laughs> Sorry, okay. <laughs> that wasn't fair. I, I looked, you were awake. So, uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, but the guy kept falling asleep. And, you know, he'd, he'd notice the wife nudge him and he'd pop up and I mean, just immediately go back to sleep again. And it started to irritate him because the guy's sitting right in the front where, where he noticed it. And, and, and hey, sometimes preachers get up and say, I, I don't, I'd rather you be here sleeping than at home sleeping. So, hey, come on, bring a pill if you want. I understand. Um, uh, but it kind of bugged him a little bit. And, and during the break, the wife of this guy came up to him and said, said, sir, I, I really want to apologize that my husband kept falling asleep. He, he, he's on chemo, and the drug they're giving him to counteract the, the nausea makes him drowsy. I told him to stay home, but, but, but he said, you know, I don't, I don't know how often I'll get a chance to be with God's people, and so I wanted to come today. Um, 
it completely changed uh, Boatwright's, Boatwright's attitude. Why? Because he got under his skin. He understood what the guy was going through. Jesus, the, the passage says, when he saw the man covered in leprosy, a, a physical condition, but, but the reality was it was as much a spiritual condition as well. When he saw him, he was moved. He got under his skin. He, he knew what the guy was going through. Hebrews chapter 2 verse, or chapter 12 verse 2 says this. Uh, beautiful text there, actually, that whole chapter. But verse 2 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What in the world does he mean? For the joy set before him, endured the cross. Well, Part of that joy was he knew that he was offering salvation. When he went to the cross and became our, and Hebrews talks a lot about this, when he became our, our one and only sacrifice, the last sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice, when he became our sacrifice, that provided salvation. That was part of the joy. But part of that joy also was the fact that Jesus would know what we're like. He would know what we've been through. He would understand exactly who we are so that he could see a leper in front of him that was physically and spiritually and emotionally sick and he could feel for him. Uh, the second thing we notice there is we see his compassion, but we also see his his touch. It says he reached out and he touched him. Uh, it was uh, two or three years ago, maybe longer ago than that, Reed and I were in Juarez. It was October this time. In fact, it was probably last week I told the story about getting lost in Juarez. Remember I told you a story about my friend Larry? My friend Larry's here today. Um, he found Troy all by himself. Amazing. But, uh, uh, but Larry's the guy I was with when I was lost in the story I told last week. Well, it was the, the October before that that Reed and I were there to take pictures, and I'd missed that same turn. But, but we, were, we were driving around in Napa area taking pictures of kids, and most of the, the houses we'd stop at, there'd be two or three, four or five kids. But this one house, there's, there's four or five families that all live in about a half a block section, and there was probably 14, 15, 16 kids there to take pictures so so we got them out we jump out of the car they know who i am they know rita and they're going team team and rita rita and, and uh coming up and we're picking them up and i get my camera get ready to start taking pictures and and i notice rita she's picking up she'll pick up a kid and give him a hug and a peck on the cheek and put him down pick up another and give him a hug and a peck on the cheek and then she turned to pick up this little dude i mean he was a cute little guy started to pick him up and this little guy had snot running down his it gets worse it's not running down double barrel and it's like he had given up even trying because it was coming all the way down his lip into his mouth. I don't mean to gross you out. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, but, ah, and, and his eyes. You know when a little kid is sick and their eyes look sick? I mean, he, he looked sick in the, I mean, he, he probably running a fever. He, you could tell he didn't feel good. And so Rita started to pick him up. And then she's like, ooh, I don't want to touch him. No. She picked him up just like she did all the others. and gave him a hug, and then a well-placed kiss. She checked first, a kiss on the cheek, and pat on the head, and another hug, and set him down. Later, when she wanted to give me a kiss, I said, no, I'm not good. <laughs> I'm okay for a couple days. We'll check. Let it incubate for a while, make sure you're okay. No. This passage says Jesus reached down and touched him. Now, that may not mean much to us. In fact, culturally, that's eh, no big deal. Hey, I know. You nurses, a lot of you guys, you know, you're dealing with sick patients and you have to touch them, but usually put on gloves, don't you? And uh, wash your hands before and after. Uh, 
It says Jesus reached down and touched him. And, and you're not supposed to do that. Because as soon as he touched him, he was defiled. As soon as he reached down and, and touched him. So if I reached down and touched Chad, I might be defiled anyway, but if Chad had leprosy, as soon as I touch him. Now the reality is probably it, the healing was instantaneous, so maybe we can debate whether he was or not, was not defiled. But, but think for that guy. No one, particularly no one that, didn't have, that, that, that wasn't a leper as well, no one had touched him possibly in years. Probably been a long time because Luke said he was covered with leprosy, so it had been a while. And, and Jesus reached down and touched him. Just the touch was saying, I care about you. Just the touch was saying you're normal. Just the touch was saying you are loved again. Now, he touched him and said, be clean, and, and, and he was uh, by that. Jesus, Jesus could have healed him from a distance. He, he could have just leaned back and said, be clean, waited till yep, everything was back to normal, and then gave him a, a shake on the a pat on the back or shook his hand or gave him a hug. But he reached down in his, in his defiled state. Catch that. He reached down in his sin, and he touched him. Isn't that what he does to us? We don't have to clean up our leprosy. We don't have to get rid of it all. We don't have to be perfect, spotless. While we were yet sinners, Romans tells us Christ died for us. He reaches down where we are and touches us. The God of the universe touched this guy. And, and we have to understand, let me just take a little break. We're about done here. Uh, we have to understand then our commission. We are called to be like Jesus. Bishop Desmond Tutu says this, and he's talking about these verses. He says, if we're going to be compassionate, be prepared for action. And then he, he makes the comment, compassion creates a problem for Jesus here. If we're going to be compassionate, be prepared to do something about it. Uh, Charles Schultz, the uh, uh, creator of the comic uh, strip Peanuts, says this, people who make a difference in your life are not the ones with the most credentials, the most money, or the most awards. They're the ones who care. Church, we're called, we're called to make a difference. We're called to be like Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says we're to have the attitude of Christ or the mind of Christ. In other words, we're supposed to be like Him. In fact, if you want to, read Philippians chapter 2, 1 to 11, and that, that explains that whole idea of what Jesus was and who He was and what it meant and what it means for us. We're to be like Christ, and we're to have compassion that moves us. Church, if we want to make a difference in Troy, if we want to make a difference... Donovan County, in our community, in our area, in our world, then when we have compassion, like Christ, when we have compassion, it has to move us to action. It requires action. That, that's why we're, we're looking at and studying, and we'll be talking about continually this year, loving others, loving God, and loving others. That's what he has called us to. And let, let me close with, with this idea. What happens next is kind of weird. Because as soon as he heals the guy, Jesus gives him a stern warning. He says, don't tell anyone. Now, I would have thought Jesus would have said, hey, tell everyone you see. Tell your family. Tell your friends. Run around shouting. You know, you used to shout unclean. Yell now. Clean, clean, Jesus. Tell them to come see me because I am the, the life giver. I am the healer. Jesus says, don't tell anyone. He says, instead, obey. 
Go, just as Moses told us, go to the priest and show yourself. Offer the sacrifices that Moses talked about. Go obey. God calls us, Jesus calls us, first of all, to obey. He wants to offer us compassion. Uh, That's certainly what this passage is about. Jesus has compassion on us. He wants to make us clean. But don't misunderstand, He also calls us to obey. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He wants us to have salvation. He wants us to have full assurance. He wants us to know without a doubt that when we die, that we're going to be with Him. That when we live here on earth, that we have forgiveness and we can walk in His light. That is the assurance He wants us to know. But He also says, obey. He he does call us to believe and and, and to realize we have sin in our life and repent of that and, and to confess Him, be willing to say in front of uh, of family and friends and church, I, I believe in Jesus, and to be obedient through baptism to Him. He calls us to be obedient. There, There is good news. He's willing. That's what the guy said. You can make me clean if you're willing. I'm here today to say that Jesus... That Jesus is willing. I don't know what your what your story is. I don't know what your leprosy looks like. I, I've, I've shared a little bit of my story. We'll probably in the future share even more of it and talk about it. But uh, but the reality is, we all have we all have those stories. We all have that sin in our life. We all can easily drag around some guilt and some failure and some disappointment and hurt and heartache and pain we all have our stories we all have our leprosy we all shout unclean unclean but jesus says to each one here i'm willing i'm willing to make you clean again i'm willing to wipe the slate clear i'm willing to give you hope let's bow in prayer father we thank you father we thank you that you call on us to, to be obedient to you. And it's obedience to receive a blessing. Father, you, you, you look at this body, the, this group of people here today, and, and Father, we're lepers. Uh, if, if we could all see one another's sin, we, we might be shocked and scared. Um, in fact, we're probably scared to even let other people know about it. But Father, you wouldn't be, because you've seen it before. In fact, each time you see one of us and you see our past and you see our, our failures and you see our leprosy, the, the response is always the same. You reach down, you touch us, and you say, I'm willing, uh, be clean. Father, I, I, my, my prayer this morning is if there's someone here today that doesn't know you or, or that does and is living with pain and heartache and, and discouragement, Father, uh, help us believe and know this about you that you are compassionate, that you will reach down and touch, that you will give us wholeness. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here this morning and you you need to know that assurance, you you need to have Jesus say to you, be clean, I would encourage you to come. Maybe you've never known him, maybe you've never accepted him. Now's the time. Maybe you're here today and you've been holding on to that regret and holding on to that pain. Now's the time to say to Jesus, Uh, you can make me clean.